Well, hello, everybody. It's your boy, Jacobs, and we're here with another episode of the Bucks Leading Radio, and this one's a good fan cast. We've got my boy Derek Stark coming in hot with some energy and effort, as Jason Kidd would say, and we talk about everything possible. We definitely start out with the kid drama that is going on on Twitter and his opinions on it and my opinions on it. And then we kind of just talk about the games, talk about uh, how we feel we've been doing, things are good takeaways, bad takeaways, and we kind of preview tonight's game against the Timberwolves. Also, fun news coming from a new and improved studio, got a new mic, got a mic stand, we're doing this through Skype. Man, it's like we're actually becoming a real podcast. So we appreciate you listening. Without further ado, hit the music. All right, on Skype all the way from his hometown, Fort Atkinson, because he's home for Christmas break, is a good friend of mine by the name of Derek Stark. He attends Kansas University as a grad student, pursuing his doctorate in sports management. He hopes to take over the Bucks one day. Just kidding, I added that in there. Um, no, but he's a great guy. Uh, how are you doing, Derek? I'm doing excellent, man. Thank you so much for, for having me on your podcast. I'm stoked to be on my, my first podcast here. Yay, hey, we're glad to have you. I mean, that's what this is. It's a, it's a podcast by Bucks fans for Bucks fans, so it's always good to bring new people on. So I think it's important um, to really get to know the fans that come on here. So before we jump into anything on Hot Topics on the Bucks, preview tonight's game, let's talk about you. So how did you really get into the Bucks, you know, fandom? How is it being a Bucks fan all the way out in Kansas? And, uh, you know, just go from there. Fan since I can remember. I uh, grew up in Fort Atkinson, as you mentioned, which is right between Madison and Milwaukee. So, big time Brewers, Packers, Badgers, Bucks fan. It all really stemmed from uh, my grandpa. He was just uh, he was a farmer for seventy years, and we actually lost him this fall, which was tough. But he he was just always just diving into to the local sports, whatever season it was, and taking me to the to the ballpark to play catch and to the local church to shoot hoops and we just spent so much quality time together revolving around the game that it's almost nostalgic just following these teams and uh i don't know man i'm, I'm a pretty highly identified fan i've done some research on this this sort of thing and there's these two concepts one being burging and it's basking in reflected glory so when your team's doing well like the packers always do um you, you kind of feel good about yourself and your self-esteem goes and then there's corfing, so it's cutting off reflected failures. And that's when your team's kind of struggling, uh, similar to what the Bucks have done for a long time, kind of like the Brewers have been for, for a while. Granted, recently they've, they've stepped it up. But um, I find myself definitely in that corfing category more often than not with the Bucks. So it's, it's kind of been a tough ride as a fan, you know. Uh, we haven't seen much success since the Big Three with Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, Big Dog Robinson, but I think we're on the brink of something special. Definitely. And I think you can really see that, that we're kind of just a few pieces away from really hitting our stride and making a run. <clears throat> so I know I really liked that you threw a little science in there, some big words that I didn't understand or know. So that's good. We're all going to get educated. Everybody listens to this. Um, 
So that's awesome. That's glad to hear. So, you know, we kind of talked prior to this, it's hard to catch games being all the way out in Kansas. So what do you do to try and keep up? You know, you check box scores. Do you have the Bucks app on your phone? You know, what do you do? Mm, that's a good call. I should get that app um, right now. So I haven't had TV in three years just because um, just kind of cutting off and got to focus in other areas. But so I have uh, access to games on Fox Sports. So I'll watch on my laptops when I can. Sometimes I'll have it on in the background while I read. Um, but in general, a lot of what I do is I, I go on to different social media platforms and I kind of get a vibe for where fans are at because that's uh, good evidence as to kind of how the team's doing. I know that a lot of fans kind of overreact a little bit, but at the same time, I think I really respect Wisconsin sports fans and their opinions and kind of the way that they express it for the most part. I think that's a pretty educated bunch, um, and we, we we get sports. We're not flaky. We're, we're like all in on our teams, and we want them to thrive. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I think especially when you look at like the Packers fan base, the football knowledge, especially being kind of like a football state with Badger football, you know, Packer football being as big as it is, they have a great knowledge of it and have a great understanding of the game. Now, I totally wouldn't say we're at that level as a Bucks fandom because it is starting to grow larger and larger and, and the NBA is getting bigger in certain areas obviously like you kind of already stated you know we were struggling we have been struggling for a very long time as a team so as we kind of hit that upswing you're starting to see like Bucks Twitter like just rise people you know talking left and right which is awesome because I mean that's what these sites are made for is good conversation between people that have never really met um, but can also cause its own problems in its own. But yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think that's actually a good segue because I think the biggest and hottest topic for the Bucks is the fire Jason Kidd movement. So, <laughs> as a sports management doctorate, you gotta have some some background in how to manage a sports team. How do you? What do you think? What's your opinion on firing Jason Kidd? Should we keep him? Should we let him go now? Should we fire him after the season? See what happens. What do you think? Man, so it wasn't until a couple days ago that I even became enlightened as to this fire Jason Kidd movement. Uh, I'm not surprised. I actually, I want to say starting about two years ago, I've got a couple buddies who were all, were, were all three pretty big Bucks fans, and we talk, and, and I started saying that I didn't think Kidd was the right guy for the job. Um, and that's not to say that he can't become a really good coach, because I know he was a fantastic player. But I think from what I've seen, we've just consistently underperformed with him kind of leading the way. I don't know that his defensive schemes are um, proficient in the NBA. It seems like we're a little behind the curve. So as of right now, I mean, you got to let this season play out. I, I would say unless we lose six, seven, eight straight, then, I mean, get him out of Dodge. But we're about to get Jabari back, which is huge. And I think maybe adding him into the mix can kind of get us over this hump because right now we're hovering around the like seven eight seed maybe even missing the playoffs with the 76ers kind of coming into their own um so i i'd like to see this team at least as like a four seed five at the worst this year like anything lower than that is a, is a disappointment in my opinion definitely and i think that this really falls in line with the word expectations and that's something that's been brought up very recently by Jason Kidd and yesterday, um, losing to the Bulls, which was a rough game. Um, so we've lost to them to, to them twice at home, which mm-hmm. isn't good. I mean, that is a garbage fire of an organization and a garbage fire of a team right now. So 
I think that, and I've said this in prior episodes of this podcast, that our expectations as a unit, as a team, as a season are a little high. Because I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, we can make it to the Eastern Conference you know, championship this year and all that. But I think that that's almost like we're not there yet. But I think we're definitely above 500 team. And I completely agree with you that we're like a 4-5 seed. But when Jason Kidd loses to a terrible team that is the Bulls and comes out and says our expectations are too high as a fan base, I think that's complete bullshit because you you shouldn't lose to the Bulls at home. Uh, So I guess I'll give my two cents here on the kid because it's been an ever-changing opinion of mine as as the season progresses. I'm kind of starting to fall in line with the Fire Kid movement. I don't think that what he's doing is working. Um, and I'm not sure if you saw this at all yesterday. Um, Sean Kilpatrick did not play against the Bulls, and we'll get into that signing here in a little bit. Um, and he was asked in the postgame you know, press conference, why? And he goes, oh, well, his name didn't get pulled out of the lottery. And that was it. And moved on what? to the next question. Yes. So whether that was sarcastic, whether he was pissed off or what, I'm like... Oh that just it like almost proved to everybody that we're like there is no rhyme or reason to Jason Kidd's lineup. Uh, and I'm laughing because you can't see Derek's reaction because he clearly did not see that. <laughs> oh, dude, I can't believe I missed that. Yeah, I will uh, tweet you the links after the after this so you can watch all of it. But yeah, so what do you think about that? I mean, obviously it's the first you're hearing of it, but I mean his lineups have been shaky all season, I think. But even prior years, it's been um, even a little bit questionable. So. From what you've seen, what you've been able to see all the way out in Kansas or heard or anything else, what do you think about his lineups, the way that he's been rolling through the second team with Greg Monroe not there anymore? How do you feel about it? That's, I'm glad you brought that up because I was even thinking about that this morning, about how from day one I always questioned Jason Kidd's lineups. Like I was always wondering, you know, he's got three of the five guys that I'd probably have in a starting lineup, maybe even four, but then that fifth guy that he throws in is a 17-year-old Thon maker or something like that, and it's just, it's blasphemy. It's so ridiculous, and I always told myself that, you know, you're just a fan, like, Jason Kidd knows better than you do, but as time's gone on, I, I don't know that that's the truth, because it seems like the consensus among almost all fans is that this guy's kind of clueless and very stubborn, unwilling to adapt and kind of you know, change his paradigm. He's just very, like, stuck with his ways. And uh, I think that in the NBA right now, you've, you've got to be creative, you've got to adapt, um, because the game's forever evolving. And it's not like it was when Jason Kidd was playing. So he's got to kind of get with it. Because, I mean, there's there was times when he would start John Henson and play him for, like, nine minutes in the game, and then you got Moose coming off the bench to play 35 back in the day or you'd start a guy one night and the next night he wouldn't play and it's just like you're messing with these players psyches these are 21 22 23 year old kids they're not fully mature adults um and i i don't know that he's kind of respected the role that he has as a as a head coach in the nba yeah i totally agree with you and i think that this has been uh eric my co regular co-host um every other week here you know, we've been talking about his use of DJ Wilson and Sterling Brown a lot because I think that Sterling has a lot to offer in the shooting guard position. I think he's played really well in the minutes that he's been given. Um, DJ, I'm not as high on, but I think that even if you take it, and I loved your reference to Thon Maker starting. So you look at those playoff series last year against the Raptors, like Thon Maker was starting as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And now you look at this year, and he's unwilling to play his rookies, it seems like. 
it's unreal. So I, there's just no consistency. I think that's what's struggling with. That's what I'm struggling with. It's like, I think that you should have a pretty core starting lineup. You should have a pretty core, you know, coming off the bench. Uh, I can't think of the word. Second lineup, essentially, right? Yeah. And then sure. you have your couple rotating players at the end of the bench. And so I just, I don't understand how he hasn't gotten a consistent assistant lineup. I mean, you can you say injuries because we have struggled few with Tony Snell going down, Della Vadova going down, um, and then obviously Toledovich with his unfortunate, almost career-ending injury. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think that there's just been so many questions this year that I'm starting to lose faith in it as well. And... I'm with you on not firing him right now because I think that if you fire a coach mid-season when you had the expectations of being a five seed, you're giving up. Like you're like, okay, we're not going to make it. We're done. Like we're just going to start from scratch and go for next season. So if we don't, let's say we're not going to fire Jason Kidd. One of the things that we struggle with is rebounding. I mean, there's no if, ands, or buts about rebounding is an issue with us. Defense is an issue with us. So with all of these trade rumors flying around the Milwaukee Bucks, which every I feel like it happens every time any big name gets on the waiver wire possible trade, the Bucks are thrown in there. But from your opinion, as a Bucks fan, as an NBA fan, who do you feel like would be the best acquisition for the Bucks, and what do you see that trade being? Mm, that's a fantastic question. Um, I just want to go back and say that you're totally right in that if we do fire Jason Kidd long term, that might be that might be the move to make. Um, but short term, we're going to struggle, um, and I and I totally agree. We could potentially miss the playoffs. You bring in some head coach, and now you got a whole new system that the guys got to adapt to and buy into. I will say that it seems that even Greek Freak is bought into Jake Kidd's system. So if if that's what's still going on, if he's still got these guys um, kind of under his wings, then I just let it. I think we got to let it ride out, even though it's going to be frustrating and we're going to see inconsistencies, but. We're 17 and 15. Let's say we win eight of the next 10. Well, hell yeah, man. We're right up in there. We're the number four seed, number five seed, and everybody's happy, and, and these conversations kind of end. But the conversation that shouldn't end is the fact that we do need a big. And, I mean, everybody's talking about it. I think this is the name that we hear the most, and it's uh, it's DeAndre. It's DeAndre Jordan with the Clippers. And I think, I think we have to find a way to make that move happen because we, we can – shy away from that and try to go for like a Brooke Lopez or somebody who's, you know, three quarters the player of DeAndre. But right now, DeAndre, uh, I would say he's in his prime, um, you know, and I just think that's the that's the piece that we need to kind of get us over this hump. I mean, he's, he's probably a top five, top seven center in the NBA. He brings that size, the rebounding ability. I mean, he runs the court. I just can't even imagine. Like, I'm just envisioning a court right now with Greek Freak, Chris Middleton, Bledsoe, Jabari, and DeAndre Jordan. Like, I, I don't think the Cavaliers want to face that team. I don't think the Celtics want to face that team. I know the Wizards don't. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see what's up with the Warriors. Well, let me throw this at you then. Let's just, let's talk money then. You know, dollar dollar bills. It makes the world go round. I mean, DeAndre's on a $24 million contract with a player option around the same coming next year. So let's say that we sign him, even if you were able to dump like Henson's contract or Della Vadova's contract or even both, and you're hoping to re-sign Jabari Parker, where does that money come from? And this is kind of the issue where I feel like if we do make the trade for DeAndre, 
because I think the only way that we do trade for him is if he agrees he's going to at least pick up his player option or re-sign with us to a smaller contract. Yeah. How do you see, or do you even see us re-signing Jabari, or are we kind of just doing the old dust the hands off and call it a day? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and from what I've heard, Jabari actually kind of looks like his old self, and mm-hmm. he's really performing well in practice, so I don't want to write off Jabari. But... Um, you know, you, you have these windows in professional sports, and to not try and make the most of them, I think is something that we've seen with the Green Bay Packers, for instance. Uh, it can be incredibly frustrating, and the next thing you know, that, that window's gone. So I say just go for it this year. Let's see what's up. I know Greek Freak's still going to be around for a while, and hopefully for his whole career, but you don't know. You never know. Uh, we got Malcolm Brogdon. We got a Bledsoe who's in his prime. Chris Middleton's arguably in his prime. Like this might be the time that you you swing, you you, you swing for the fences. So I think obviously we want to get rid of Delhi and get rid of his contract. Uh, if we could find a Henson buyer, that'd be nice. But, but um, yeah, maybe Jabari sticks around for a cheaper deal. Maybe Jabari goes back to Chicago. I could see that happening. I could see Chicago really paying him, which which is fine. I want the, what's best for Jabari, but he's blown his knee out twice. And he's what in his fourth year, fifth year. Uh, I don't. I'm not optimistic about his future necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's the big question mark, right? Is Jabari's health? Um, but let's throw. Let me throw this at you because, you know, DeAndre. I think those rumors have kind of fallen out almost. Whereas, like now, the Robin Lopez ones, you know, because he. I don't know if you saw it all. Chicago was apparently kind of testing the waters on what the market is for him. So I think that might be the move that we make, and that's, in my opinion, probably the best because Chicago is tanking, I mean, or at least semi-tanking. They're not going to be, like, looking for a super expensive deal to get rid of Robin Lopez. So I think yeah. that, like, if you could give up, like, Delhi and, like, a second-round pick, you know, for the 2019 pick, or no, yeah, 2019 pick, eh, I'm fine with that. And then you add some size, you add some rebounding, and my goal would honestly be to save Henson. I, I wouldn't want to trade him because then you, that means your center rotation would then be Henson, Robin Lopez. You can move Thon Maker to that four spot, which where I feel like that's where he really belongs. He doesn't belong at a, as a center. And that opens up a lot of room with Chris Middleton and Giannis there to kind of really spread the floor a little bit. But again, I'm not in the front office. I can't make those moves. So, well, what do you think about that? I like that, man. I can see that working out pretty well. I mean, if we could get rid of Deladova and then even a protected first-round pick, you know. Throw Rashad uh, Vaughn in there, maybe? Rashad Vaughn, yeah. I mean, he's he's still got some value. So I think Robin Lopez would be pretty neat. That name didn't even come to my mind. I think I was thinking about Brooke. Um, yeah, but the, he's, he's with the Lakers now. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a big-time hustle player, plays great defense, and he he's – I mean, he can score if you want him to, but he's not a guy who really demands a lot of attention on offense, which is good for the egos of uh, our other players because we have a lot of guys who want the ball, right? You know, Chris Middleton can dominate the ball, and he's our number three option. And when Jabari comes back, maybe four, it's kind of crazy. And that's where I think Chris thrives, really. Yeah. Is that third scoring. Because people don't think about him, and then he's just going to drain those shots. Snell's hitting wide-open shots all the time. So 
I like it. Do you think we have enough shooters? Are you content with where we're at shooting-wise? Uh, so I was with Toledovic, with Toledovic out. I'm curious on that and see how this pans out. But like I said, I think Sterling offers some range with his shooting. Uh, so I think when you look at like that second lineup, like that could be Brogdon, Sterling Brown, and then you're obviously going to have Jabari coming off the bench. Like you're not going to start Jabari in February. So then you would assume that he's going to play 15 to 20 minutes a game coming off that knee injury. So that would be him. And then you'd have like Thon. And I, I mean, I don't know who else off the top of my head. If it was up to me, it would be Joel Boy, But assuming we don't ever play him. But <laughs> So I think that he offers a lot. I think our shooting lacks when Delhi's taking like 10 threes a game, which I know he's not. But... I mean, I just see him front rim so many in a game. I'm just like, stop. When you have to bend, when you have to hunch your head down to get the ball over your head, and then you shoot like that, it's the most awkward shooting I've ever seen. And it's funny. You shoot the basketball. It's painful. It is. And it's like, oh, but, you know, he he offered a lot when we brought him on, and I just don't think that's really worked as well. Um, So let me throw something at you here. I want to – because – you know, you, you're in Kansas. You're not maybe totally in the loop. So one more thing that Jason Kidd said is that we don't have any, we don't have enough experience on the team. And I want to throw this at you, okay? So right, right off the bat, you're kind of thinking, mm, I don't know. You know, you have Giannis, right? Your number one player who's he's in his junior year. Yeah, yeah, I believe, right? Yeah. So, but then you have Jason Terry, who's 40 and won a ring with Kidd. Uh, you have Della Vadova, who won a ring with the Cavs. And, you know what I mean, you have Henson who's been there forever. I mean, he's the most tenured vet on the team. So I just think that, or tenured buck, excuse me. So I think that I just can't see a place where, like, experience is the excuse anymore. And when is he going to stop using this? Our defense didn't work because they didn't play with enough energy and effort. (laughs) It's the most, it's like, stop. Just say something else, man. Huh? Boom. Which is the case. Yeah, sorry. I mean, we already talked about Jason Kidd, but that just brings it up to me. Um, okay, so let's move on from that. So what did you think about that Kilpatrick signing? Because, I mean, that was kind of an out of nowhere. Holy crap, the Bucks made a move. What happened? What's going on? Everybody kind of was scrambling to do some research. So what did you think about that? Yeah, I thought it was a nice little deal. I remember Kilpatrick playing at Cincinnati, and he was always a nice player. I don't think he's a tremendous shooter, but he's like 6'4". He's kind of long. He play defense, so he'll give you a little help on offense. So I think that he adds nice depth. But overall, I mean, I'm really content with where we're at at the guard position right now because, you know, we've got Bledsoe and Brogdon. Brogdon is my favorite, but, like, the Prez is the man. And you talk about experience. Hot take right here. He, he, can, he can complain about experience all he wants, but, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is, like, he, he plays like he's 35 years old. He's in the second year of his NBA career, rookie of the year last year. Just a just a tremendous, I guess now backup point guard. Kind of unfortunate that he's not starting. Um, and we got Delhi. I mean, DeAndre Liggins is a freakish athlete. Who doesn't know how to play offense? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You don't want <laughs> to ever touch the ball on offense, but his defense is incredible. It is. And I think you have enough offense in other areas that if you have Liggins out there with Jabari in Brogdon or Bledsoe in Greek Freak. Like, it's not that big of an issue. So why... Okay, that's it. I like that. So I, I think that we are pretty set in our guard position as well when we're healthy. Because I think that Tony Snell, um, Brogdon... I'm going to keep bringing him up. Sterling Brown and now Sean Kilpatrick have a, offer a good rotation-wise for Bledsoe yeah. and Middleton to take a, take a seat for a bit. 
But when you talk about we have other room or other plays in offense that it's kind of okay to lose some of that playing DeAndre Liggins, where do you see that? Because I see when Giannis and Chris are not on the floor, I see players that act like they don't know what's going on. So where do you see that offense kind of coming from with that second team? The second team, I think it's nice to have Brogdon in that second group because he can provide a little bit of a punch. I think he's a nice number two option. Um, it's also nice to get Snell in there as well because he's going to hit an open shot. So what we need is we need Brogdon to really create. We've got to have him driving and, and just kind of making moves so that Snell can post up and do his thing. Um, and then I guess the question for me is what happens – when Jabari comes back, is he going to be inserted into the starting lineup or do we now have him kind of in a six-man, seventh-man role where he can provide some offense off the bench? Because like you said, that that seems to be a pretty big hole for the team. I think that that's what's going to happen just on the basis of trying to protect him. As I think, obviously, it will really depend on where we're at, like record-wise and standings in the East-wise, but I mean, let's just, let's be optimistic here and hope that we're in contention. We're we're sitting at that four, five, even six seed maybe. Um, you know, I think we're really going to bring him back slowly. So I think it will be kind of an off-the-bench rotation-wise. Um, and minute restrictions, obviously, I think with that knee, I think we tried to bring him back a little too hard last year, which is not what caused it, right, but probably didn't help in the process of him recovering from that knee injury. Uh, so I think that when he comes back in, in full swing, um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and if we're able to acquire some things. But I really like him coming off the bench almost because it offers us, and this maybe isn't the greatest example, but like an Oklahoma City Thunder where you have Russell Westbrook, Carmelo, and Paul George. Uh, what, regardless of how you feel about them, they're all great. They're all good players in their own. But you can sit Russell Westbrook and Paul George and Melo still out there kind of running the show and having to be able to create some offense and work with that second unit. Or you can mix and match anything you want. And I think that if you look for like a big three, you'd have like Jabari, Giannis, and I'm going to say Bledsoe because I think that moves Chris to our four almost. Yep. So I think that that's where you really get to see some definite like playing with the lineups, playing with the rotation almost, but in a good way, not in like a, I don't know what I'm doing in a coaching <laughs> sense. So <laughs> uh, that's Shots what I look fired. forward to. Shots fired. Hot take right here. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, but overall, so here's a question for you. And I just this kind of popped up out of my head, and it's going to steer a little bit away from the Bucks. But okay. working at uh, a big time college basketball school and seeing a player like Malcolm Brogdon win Rookie of the Year as a four year college player, how do you see that transition from the M- from the college to the NBA be different for a four year player from a one to a two year player? And do you think that staying those extra years really helps you? That's a really good question. Um, that It warms my heart to see guys like Malcolm Brogdon succeed in the NBA because right now we have the structure that really encourages guys to, to go play for a year, uh, not take their education seriously at all. Uh, seen a lot of scandals in regards to that throughout the past decade. Um, and then just kind of hop straight to the NBA and try to get paid and take care of their families. And as a result, you got guys who burn up quick and they don't develop and they're not mentally ready for the league so I would love to see the structure change to be more like baseball uh, or football but just require the guys to stay for three years so then when they're done with their junior year if they're about to be a lottery pick yeah sure go get paid but if not they're 
kind of more encouraged to stick it out and get their degree. And the degree is what they're going to ultimately use. Uh, you know, the average NBA career is probably, what, six or seven years. I know the NFL is like two. Um, so I think, I think it's important to encourage them to stick around for the education. But in regards to the development on the court, I mean, you can see that Malcolm Brogdon does not look like a second-year NBA player. The, the four years that he spent with Bennett at Virginia – uh, they're invaluable. He developed into an NBA-ready player. He was ready to be a starting point guard, essentially, for the Bucks last year. And uh, just it just goes to show what, what time can do. And, yeah, I guess he's, he's probably 25 now. He's a little older, but um, he's still only 25. We could still have this guy playing for our, our team for another decade. So it's pretty special and just a wonderful, wonderful pick by our front office. I know that I was incredibly stoked when I saw we grabbed him and surprised that he was still available at that point. Well, I think, I don't know why, and this was an interesting thought I had, is that like, people almost stray away from four-year players. I don't know why that would be, or teams, you know, I, I don't know. But I, I just, that brought up to my head, because I think you see that a lot, where it's like, like Wiggins, let's say, who came out same year as Jabari and hasn't really lived up to that potential that like he really thought, everybody thought he was going to be as good as he was. And I don't know if that could have been helped by staying a couple more years or whatever, but I think that that's just kind of something that you see a lot of times where, you know, top five picks who've been in college for a year come out 19 years old and you're like expecting them to play like uh, Malcolm Brogdon and play that. But also yeah. I, what I love about Brogdon is that he really showed the importance of understanding defense. Because like, yeah, if you can come out and you can score 30 points a game, but your plus minus is minus five because you don't know how to play defense doesn't help us as much as coming out, shutting down one guy, and then it's four on four, not five on five. So I think that that was probably one of the best things about it. And honestly, just giving the Bucks some recognition for a nice, the first second um, round pick to win Rookie of the Year. So I thought that was pretty awesome as well. That's a cool stat, man. Yeah, I totally agree. It's so nice to have him being a two-way player. He's He'll be the leader um, of this team in a lot of ways, whether that's just like with the way he carries himself or vocally. Uh, just his character, it's it's fantastic to have. And, and I think a lot of the value comes from these guys playing under guys like Bill Self, uh, Bennett, Coach K, Calipari. Well, I guess, no, no, I scratched that. They don't play for Calipari for, for three or four years. <laughs> yeah. But these amazing coaches, like Bill Self's one of the best coaches in the world, whether he's in the NBA with the Spurs when Popovich retires or if he stays at KU. Like if you spend more time with him, you're going to be much better off when you go to the league and you're potentially playing for somebody like Jason Kidd. Yeah, where you might know more than him. Uh, Probably the case. <laughs> um, okay, so as we kind of talked and like talked up Brogdon a lot, and you've kind of expressed throughout this entire podcast, you know, your like for him, and you feel like he brings a lot offensively. Uh, okay. So as we talked briefly in the beginning of this, you know, we talked about trades. Would you be willing to part with him for DeAndre Jordan? Zero percent chance I would ever be willing to do that. And the fact of the matter is, like, yes, I'm super fond of him. But when you look at the financials, he might be one of the most underpaid players in the league. He makes like a 1.3 million this year. But the value that he's providing to the Bucks, especially before we had Bledsoe, uh, just tremendous. He's he's an invaluable player, and I think we probably have about four or five guys who are untouchable, and he's definitely on that list. Right. And obviously, I don't have any real time or I mean, I played intramural basketball for like two years in college. So that's my extent of actually playing. Uh, how do you see the acquisition of Bledsoe starting him immediately and kind of throwing Brogdon on the bench and coming out? 
how do you see that affecting him mentally? Because I know that there has been rumblings of maybe not locker room issues, but kind of Brogdon feeling like he's not good enough or things of that nature. So how do you see that affecting him? That's a good question. I mean, to go from a starting point guard to backup without having done anything wrong, I mean, he did everything we asked of him. Yep. That's that's what makes it tough. I hope that the Bucks have some sort of mental coach or some peak performance department. That's kind of an area I'm really interested in and hope to pursue. Um, but I hope that they have people in place that can help him work through that. Because although we say he's already 25, he's only 25 too. Like, you know, it's still you still deal with stuff. You never get to a point where you're just good to go regardless of life circumstances. So um, I hope that he realizes that he's still just as valuable today as he was before Bledsoe. Uh, we just don't need him to score as many points, play as many minutes drop as many dimes, which might be really good come playoff time. Definitely. I think a lot of it is like just a confidence issue where he felt like, oh, like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to kind of a thing. But I think that you can spin it in a way to say like, now you mean more because now you're running that second unit. Like you have the responsibility of that second unit. Whereas you, you would argue that Giannis is running the starting lineup. You know, he's the point forward of the starting lineup. So I think that hopefully he can take it that way. But I think we even saw this struggle with Greg Monroe when he first came to the Bucks and came off the bench, where he came from being a starting power forward to a six-man coming off the bench and struggled to really learn how to play that way. And over the years, really became an X-factor for us, especially in that playoff series against Toronto. So let's hope that that happens and he doesn't, Bragdon just doesn't fall off, kind of. like Yeah, it'd be wonderful. Yes, Exactly. Uh, so any last, any things that you wanted to bring up? I kind of ran through my list here. You know, what did you have? What do you have want to talk about on your podcast debut? <laughs> well, I, I didn't really have anything more than that, man. Uh, I guess maybe, what, what do you think? How is, how's the season going to play out? Where are we going to land uh, seed-wise? Are we going to finally win a playoff series? Like, I, I want to know what you think. But shit, man, I've been, I said before the season even started, we were going to be a 500 team. So I'm sticking with it and it's looking more and more right. And I said it from the get go. I've said we were going to be a 500 team, maybe just barely over. Cause I think that that was the problem with, and that was with the unit that we had prior to the, uh, prior to the season. So with Bledsoe, I think that that definitely improved our chances. Um, but we also obviously lost a lot when we lost Greg Monroe. So I think that there's definitely uh, some give and take with that. But like I said, without any other moves currently, we're going to be a 500 team. And I just base that on sometimes poor coaching and also just inexperience. And I'm going to say that even after I just ragged on kid for that. But I say that because we really showed it in that playoff series against Toronto where we had like 20 turnovers in a, uh, on that game. Uh, and we looked really young. And um, so I think that that could also be because we were starting a thought maker and Malcolm Brogdon and Giannis. So now that we've added some age and some experience with Bledsoe, and I think Henson starting the starting lineup is a, is a much better idea and playing him a few more minutes, even though he isn't always the best center. But I think with what we have, I think he offers the most. Um, I think that we will make the, I think we're going to make the playoffs, whether it's in like a five seed, which is where I would like us to be, or a six seed. Um, we'll see. I don't know if we have it in us to win a playoff series yet with the unit that we have. I think that when you have to play Giannis 41 minutes a game, Chris Middleton 40 minutes a game, and then now Bledsoe is playing like 38, that's not sustainable over a seven-game series back-to-back-to-back-to-back against like a Cleveland team because you know they're not going to be number one because Boston's got that locked and loaded. So I don't think that this is the year. I mean, unless we acquire a few more pieces and maybe make some changes from – just a scheme perspective or even a rotation perspective. Uh, I mean, do you agree with that or what do you think? 
I agree. I'm a, I'm a hopeless optimist. So, you know, I've, I've still got my eyes set on that four seed. I really would like to be in the top four with home court advantage. I agree. We got to make a move. Uh, whether that be like a sharpshooter, like a Corver, just somebody that you can really rely on to hit a big time late shot. Although I guess jet could be that guy. Um, and I'd like to see us add another big, uh, losing Monroe. That's, that's a huge hole. He played a just a really critical piece, and I'm surprised he never won the six man award. Unless he did, and I missed it. But I I felt like he earned that when he was in the six man in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I think I think we win our first playoff series in in a while this season. I, I do. Whether we're the six seed and and we take down a an upper seed or or we're the four or five, I think we'll get one. And then I honestly think next year we we can get to the Eastern Conference Finals if we make the right moves, whether that be maybe a coaching move in the offseason and bringing somebody in who fits better their schemes or just adding a big and just kind of maybe add one more bench piece, somebody who could really score, light it up. I, I think that's one thing I maybe I missed Steve, when I was going through my moves. Just a bench scorer, like maybe not necessarily a corver, but you want somebody probably more well-rounded. Um, yeah. not just the sharpshooter, but I think that that's definitely something missing when you talk about our second unit who can't score without Giannis on the court, which is re- what, why it requires him to play 41 minutes a game. Uh, so let's preview tonight's game, which I'm going to, by the way, super pumped for tonight. Uh, game against Timberwolves. What do you yes, think? Are we going to get that W or what? Let's do it, man. I mean, it's going to be a big one, big test. Carl Anthony Towns coming coming into town. Uh, a Wiggins bring in the Heat. I don't even know. Yeah, and Jimmy Butler hit a big shot last night in overtime. So, what do you think? We you think we're going to win that? Well, I, I like the fact that they're on the second night of a back to back. That definitely that always is going to play into your favor. Plus, we're playing in Milwaukee. The Bucks tend to play to their uh, competition's level, which really, really frustrates me as a fan, but that's just the reality of it. Minnesota's 22-13. and 13. We're 17-15. and 18-15 and 15 would look pretty nice. I think I think we'll pull out maybe a 102-101 victory, some big shot late for... Mark it down, guys. Mark it down. Yeah. Derek's calling it 102-101. <laughs> it's going to be great, man. A lot of former Jayhawks on the T-Wolves, though, so I don't pull for really any other team, but... I think they've got three former Jayhawks, so I'm, I'm a bit partial towards them, so we'll at least let them make it close. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, that was crazy. I don't know if you saw the replay from last night where Jimmy B hit this like big-time shot in OT, and then he got real cocky. He was like, you can't fuck with me and all that shit, and I was like, I mean, I loved it. I think that I'm surprised they aren't doing better than they are. I think that their record at 22-13 and 13 is is uh, kind of lucky for us that they're not that well, that high in the standings, um, but man... Yeah, no. I, I just, I'm interested to see how this goes. You're going to be playing against a very stacked starting lineup, and they're going to be coming with a lot of energy and effort, so you better bring the heat. Um, but I'm really glad that you said something that I forgot to bring up in our earlier conversations was playing to our competition's level, and I think that's the biggest issue when we like lose to the Bulls because we end up playing like them, and they're better at playing as themselves than we are. So I think that if we can just play to our level every single game we did against the Cavs like the Cavs game where we beat them which was part of the reason why losing to the Bulls after that was so much harder to think about because you're like we just beat the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James where Giannis literally stole the ball from him to win to then lose to a shitty Bulls team because Nikola Mirotic can't miss a three-pointer and him and Bobby Portis are apparently best friends now after he knocked him out so I think that's where like that comes from but I 
I really hope that that's one thing that we can figure out uh, as we go forward through the season is how to play to our level, play to our strengths, and not fall into that, I would call like a defensive fighting mode where you're playing to them and letting them punch as you respond to that, where we throw the punches and show, let them respond to us. Amen to that, man. And it all comes down to Coach Coach Kidd. That's his job is to get them ready on a nightly basis. Uh, you can't point your fingers at the players. That is what you're paid to do. So get them ready and get them playing right every single night or see you later. Definitely, definitely. Well, hey, it was great talking to you, Derek. Where can they find you on social media? Social? Uh, I'm at, I'm Dr. Stark on Twitter. I'm Dr. Stark on Instagram. But I prefer you find me on Quora. Quora is where I hang out the most. It's a, it's kind of where you distribute knowledge. You ask questions. You answer questions. Uh, I just answered a pretty sweet question a few days back. So just Derek Stark on Quora. Follow me. Uh, I'll, I'll get you back. And uh, appreciate you having me on, man. This has been a ton of fun. I'm going to get my podcast rolling and, and get you featured on there, too. Hey, man, I love it. Yeah, follow um, the Bucks or the uh, podcast on Twitter at Bucks underscore radio. Follow me at Jakubitz on Twitter. Um, I believe I'm at Jakubitz on Instagram as well. So, yeah, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Thanks again for listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, So please tell your friends about us. Share our stuff on Twitter or on Facebook or on any other social media site that you find. Uh, You know, if you don't agree with us, please, you know, tweet at us, DM us, talk to us. Like, that's what we want this to be. We want this to be an open conversation for all Bucks fans because we're all in the same boat, whether we disagree or agree. So thank you again. You know, like our stuff, share our stuff. And that's all I got for you. So we'll be back again this weekend prior to the new year so thank you and we look forward to talking again peace